turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael. Well, thank you for tuning in and spending your Saturday evening with me. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Today, we're going to spend some time around the topic of worship, and I think I'm just calling this show, Let's Explore Worship. So I am the age where I can admit that I grew up in the church during a time that included what we uh, identify as the worship wars. So in other words, for years and years and years, the church sang hymns. My my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and they all sang, quite frankly, the same hymns in church. And I grew up, and, and we were singing those hymns. And, you know, people really loved the hymns. And uh, many of the the hymns that, that people even sing today are songs that were sung, uh, at least not the words, but the, the music, the melodies, were, were playing in the local saloons. And, and I guess I'll say it like this, the music behind the hymns were, was music that was uh, culturally familiar and recognizable. Now, when I was a kid, we would sing these these hymns in church, and many of the hymns have three verses, four verses, five or six verses. And But I think the most common that, that I knew were the hymns that had four verses. And we would sing verse one as a congregation, then we would sing verse two, then the hymn leader, the, the song leader would say, let's jump to verse four. And it's interesting, my experience is I hardly ever sang the third verse of a hymn. I've often had this secret idea to have a hymn sing, a hymn night, and only sing verse three. I think it's the the verse that people know the least, but the truth is I, I know many, many hymns, and, and some of the hymns remain very meaningful to me. There's a hymn called Blessed Assurance, and my wife has shared with me that uh, that hymn has to be played if we have a funeral for her at some point in time. It's just been meaningful to her and, and to me as well. I can remember back in high school, I would I played a trumpet solo around the hymn, How Great Thou Art, and I, I uh, it's something that I, I remember it made an impact on me. And obviously, that's a powerful hymn. And, and you'll think of many hymns that have, have impacted your life positively. Hymns like Amazing Grace or 
Holy, 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 and it's a, that's a fun one to play on the piano. How about Great is Thy Faithfulness? It is well. All hail the power of Jesus' name. So today as we think about exploring worship, I want us to think about really where the church has come from, the context that we have, and other great hymns like To God Be the Glory, or one that we sing often on Easter is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. But as you think about this, I hope you're inspired to to sing through some of the hymns today by listening to this show. Hymns like Jesus Paid It All, a mighty fortress at the cross. How about this one? What a friend we have in Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. But what happened as time progressed, as as courses came into play, and, and we, we were introduced to courses like As the Deer, Shine, Jesus Shine, I Love You, Lord, and still a favorite to many is Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. Or what about the power behind the songs, the choruses, I Exalt Thee, and awesome God. Well, those were accepted, but then we really engaged in worship wars, if you will, when we started hearing courses that are great courses that we think about today, but songs like Trading My Sorrows and The Heart of Worship and Enemies Camp and All Things Are Possible and Shout to the Lord and all of these songs, great songs. But if you think about folks that came generation after generation after generation, they went from opening hymnals to sing to looking at an opaque projector projecting words onto a screen or a wall. As a teenager, I was actually in charge at my home church of organizing these transparencies to put the words to these choruses on the wall, and I didn't realize that I was at the center point of these worship wars. And We still had Sunday night service at my church growing up, and it was a different service than Sunday morning. And we spent longer times praying at the altar and on a Sunday night, longer sermons. We sang more hymns on a Sunday night. But we went from hymnals to these opaque projectors. But we transitioned from projectors to screens and, and using, you know, PowerPoint and now ProPresenter and all of these, these thoughts and ideas. Worship wars. As we explore worship, I want us to think about this. See, you should, worship, excuse me, used to be one of the most controversial and tension-filled discussions among Christians in the church. And you think about exploring worship, and why is it that this is a point of great contention and controversy in the church? Thinking about hymns and courses and worship wars, worship was always at the top of controversies, and today it remains in the top five. It's Unbelievable to me the things that we are arguing about in the church today, things that I feel should be pretty obvious scripturally, but the just the definition of marriage and the understanding of abortions and women in, men, in ministry and leadership, these are all topics that are talked about, but still in the top five, maybe number four or number five, is still the argument about worship styles. And I want us to think about this today as we explore worship. Worship is so much more than music. We'll talk about that in this this episode. But I feel like we've allowed there to be controversy in the very thing that brings glory and honor to God. See, the church has been somewhat slow at times in some areas, but to a degree, we've kind of kept up with the times when you think about worship. Like the days of the hymns, they were culturally familiar. The church has tried to remain somewhat culturally relevant when we think about Music. Growing up, 
the the music and worship time in my 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 home church is called the song service. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase or we call it the worship service. But the we learned that the entire service, even from announcements to preaching to worship times, songs, all of that's a worship service. So as I explore worship with you today, we are looking at it through the lens of this question, what is worship? We have to ask this because worship is at the core of our relationship with God. When we think about what worship is, it's something that is a central focus of our relationship with God. So today, let's explore uh, worship, and let's look at this. And to kick that off, I want to start by defining worship. What is worship? So if you're listening today, we're exploring worship, and we're, we're sort of introducing the thought by defining what worship is. This word worship originates from sort of an old English word that means worthship or worthiness. So in other words, there's a great old-time course, uh, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our praise. We come and adore you. We bow down before you. You're worthy. Father, you're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. It's just a simple expression defining who God is and, and, and the idea that he is truly worthy of our praise, of our worship. You may be familiar with the words to a course that says, I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. See, worship is an uh, acknowledgement of worthiness. And this, this idea of worship connotates action. So actions that we, we uh, practice as believers, and these actions are motivated by our attitudes. And these attitudes that bring reverence for God, that, that honors God or describes worth to God, this is what the motives of our heart is if we are true worshipers. So as we define worship, maybe we could say worship is an expression of reverence and adoration to God. Worship is an expression of reverence or adoration to God. You know, worship involves many things, things like singing, and we sing songs. And I talked a lot about worship wars, but worship is more than songs and, and music. Worship involves prayer. We pray uh, privately in our worship. We spend time with God alone in our worship, and we can worship him in our own ways through conversation and praying and talking with God and hearing his voice. This is what it is. But sometimes we gather as part of a congregation and we pray. There are times of prayer in, in most church services. And why is that? It's because prayer is a part of our worship and how we express reverence and adoration to God. So singing and prayer. Another way that we worship is through reading scripture. So this is one reason why preaching is part of many worship services, because it's the unpacking of the truth of Scripture. And, and sometimes congregations read Scripture aloud together, or there's responsive readings, or there's different ways to explore Scripture. Sometimes we read by ourselves the Scriptures, and these are ways that we can worship God by reading and unpacking and studying and understanding Scripture. 
Listen, we're going to talk a little bit more about the definition of worship as we get into the second half of the show. But we're about to head to break, and I'll be more, I'll be back to talk more about worship as we explore worship. So I want you to hold tight right now. I want you to stay tuned and keep listening. You're listening now to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And you're listening on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And we're back. Thank you for staying tuned. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Hey, today we're talking about a topic, let's explore worship. And in the front half of the show, we heard some great story about worship wars and the transition and unfolding the timeline of worship as it's developed in the church a little bit. At least we introduced that, and we started talking about defining what worship is. And I want to continue that because we were talking about worship being about singing and praying and reading Scripture. But as we continue to think about this, as we explore worship, defining worship also involves surrender. As we surrender to God, what we do is we yield and give up things and thoughts and attitudes in our heart. We give up certain perspective. We surrender or yield to God. Our worship is giving a worthiness to God and saying to him that he is worthy of our praise. He's more important to us than even our own self-preservation. We surrender to God in his will, in his way. But worship also involves a certain attitude, if you will. An attitude that puts God above everything else. An attitude that that takes on the, the perspective, the heart of a servant. One that relies on the Father. But worship is, is all of those things. Singing, praying, reading scripture. It involves surrender, that right attitude. But when it boils down to it, as we explore worship today, worship is about living a life that honors God. It's living a life that honors God. So remember we said worship is expression of reverence and adoration to God. That impacts our whole life. Not a worship song time, not just a devotional time of praying and reading your Bible, but living an entire life that honors God. As you listen today and we explore worship, we know that worship can can be accomplished in the church. We, We worship congregationally. We sing together, we respond to a message together, we, we enjoy that time together. But worship in the church also involves how we treat people, how we interact with one another. Are we doing uh, our interactions with other people in honor or worship unto the Lord? Sometimes people come into a church and their attitudes are are cranky and judgmental. Listen, the way that we carry our attitude, the question we must ask is, my attitude expressing reverence and adoration to God? We do this in the church, but worship, I wanted to take it outside the, the church for a moment. We can worship on our job. 
See, when we work in our workplace, are we are we working as we're working unto the Lord, or are we serving a, a company's mission, or pleasing a boss, or just making a paycheck to to do what we want to do and satisfy our bills, or are we working unto the Lord? We're defining worship here. How do we treat people at work? Are we are we treating people the way Jesus would treat them? Are we interacting at work in a way? that exposes our worship to God. See, in addition to worshiping in the church and and then, again, worshiping uh, on the job, we also can worship with our families and, and invest in a family relationship with our families. And we do this sometimes with devotions. I can remember as a kid, we, would, we, had, a, we had a family room and we had a living room. So the family room's where we watched TV, and it was adjacent to the kitchen, and we kind of spilled from the eating time into the family room and played games on the floor, but the living room. Now, I don't know why it was like this, because the living room sounds like where you live, but the living room was reserved in our home growing up for special occasions. Company, the adults sat in there. I wasn't really allowed to play in the living room very much. But I can remember we would do these family devotions, and we would always go to the living room for this special time sit on the couch, we would read our Bibles together, pray together. And and this is how we worship God as a family. Even now, I probably don't do that as much as I, I should in my own family, but we do all of these holiday devotions and we sit on the couch and read these stories, the, these books and these stories from scriptures, and we, we pass on this worship atmosphere to our family. So we can do it in the church, on the job, in our, in our homes with our families. But we also worship God with how we steward our finances. Remember, we're defining worship as impacting our whole life. By bringing the tithe to the church, by giving in offerings, by stewarding the resources that God has put in our hand, this is how we define worship. And I think of it like this, worship. Worship might touch us the most when we think about how we live for God when no one is looking. Are we living for God when no one is looking? So let's explore worship today. This is defining worship. I want to get to the next thought. It's not so much a definition of worship, but I want to talk to you today about the heart of worship. See, the Bible acknowledges that God looks at the heart. This is why we read we read scripture because God looks at our heart. We read scripture to live it, to, to worship God. As we explore worship, we're already talking about scripture. But why do we look at it in worship? It's because God looks at the heart. And here's how scripture interacts with that. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This idea that God's word is alive is a fascinating thought and idea. It's not physically walking with legs, but it has this life, this living to it, because it's interactive with our life. See, God's Word is more than a collection of historic stories and, and truths. It's a, a living Word that penetrates our own thinking and perspective. It just read in Hebrews 4.12 that it cuts to the heart. The Bible, the Word of God, cuts to our heart. Much like a sword cuts through the flesh, the Word of God cuts through our life to our 
heart. As we meditate on the word, we know that it impacts our actions. It, 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 it impacts the way that we think. It, it penetrates to challenge our motives, the motives of our heart. See, this alludes to the reality that God may, may be less concerned with our perfect behavior and more concerned with the motives that are in our heart. I like to say it like this. Worship is external. It's what people see, but the heart of worship is internal, what people don't see. I want to look at one scripture here as I think about worship, and we've talked about defining worship, and we've talked about the heart of worship. I want you to hear Psalm 63. It opens like this, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips praise you. I will bless you as long as I live in your name. The Bible says, I will lift up my hands. We learn from this passage that he is God. This is what it is all about. Worship is all about the fact of acknowledging that God is God. And and we think about what worship is. The heart of worship, as we explore it today, is that we earnestly seek and pursue God, who he is, to know him. I love the illustration as we explore worship. My soul thirsts for you. My my flesh faints for you like a dry, like walking in a dry land with no water. I need God. Worship is about giving God glories. As I read in Psalm 63, these first four verses, worship is all about giving glory to God. It's about praising God because of his love for us. The fact, I guess I want to challenge you with this, this passage of Scripture. Are you able to say, your love is better than life, and that's why I worship you? Worship is about blessing the Lord, giving praise to the Lord, surrendering to the Lord. It's worship. So today we introduce this idea of exploring worship. We've defined it. We've talked about the heart of worship. And, and really today I want to ask you this question. Are you interested in learning more about practicing worship to God? Maybe you can use the partnership of a discipleship coach, and that's what we do is we help you know God. Maybe you're curious if you're ready for coaching on any level of your life, spiritual, discipleship, personal business. We can help you at, at, at Your Discipleship Coach. You can visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, take our free coaching readiness questionnaire, and we are here to help at you in your life, in your business, in your spiritual life, discipleship coaching. Just visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Follow us, follow the show, follow the podcast. Today, I want to thank you for listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Today's show has been brought to you by our sponsor, Professional Coach University. Maximize your potential at Professional Coach University, where you can become a certified coach or invest in yourself through personal development opportunities. Just visit ProfessionalCoachUniversity.com to learn more. Sign up for our email list right here at Your Discipleship Coach. We are available to help you. Let me leave you with this. Today, I am for you and God is for you. And if God is for you, 
who could be against you. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. We hope you feel encouraged to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Be sure to follow Michael and Your Discipleship Coach on social media. You'll find the links at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. And while you're there, you can click the Give Now button to support this show and to provide scholarships to pastors and Christian leaders to receive coaching. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. That's yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life.